Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. We have already reviewed the first part of the series, which was to what we said that the series title was Together, Loving for the Sake of the Gospel. And receiving communion is in partaking of the gospel actuality. Because he did die for our sins and he rose again. And he is alive, is he not? We also talked about how do we walk the word out of being together. And we said that we needed to know what God really felt about togetherness, which is unity. We also needed to know why he felt the way he felt, which we talked about that. We talked about unity being uh, a word that is synonymous with, of course, together. And we talked about oneness being the Greek meaning of that word. Now, we went through mixing those things together, that we had to renew our mind. Without renewing our mind, all we're going to be doing is gathering information. And we're not interested in that only. Also, we talked about love. We introduced that topic the Sunday before Valentine's Day, and we went on to talk about God loves you. And the next message was, we love him because he first loved us. Then last week, we wanted to go a little further, and how do we really picture that? And we talked about that. Because we love him, we need to keep his commandments. Now today, we culminate everything and finish it up, and we have a treat for you. But the, but the thing that I want to emphasize to you is that one scripture I went over last time, I want to go over once again. That scripture was in Galatians, and you don't have to turn to it. Basically, <clears throat> the whole commandments, the everything, the Ten Commandments, all of the law, all of the prophets can be boiled down to one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. We went through that in Galatians 5. We also went through a scripture in John uh, that said that a new commandment I give you, not a different commandment, really, it's the same commandment, to love one another as I have loved you. We did that. Now, we know that love then is really carrying out the commandments, all the commandments, all the law. If you read Genesis through Revelations, you know, it's going to still be talking about the same thing is love. We need to love. So I wanted to go over one commandment that will help you to do that. So today we're going to put some application to our messages. I'm going to do actually four things today. I'm going to give you two statements. I'm going to give you uh, some word of God. Then I'm going to give you some illustrations. Then I'm going to give you some applications. I'm going to give you those four things. So first of all, let me give you a couple of statements. At Cornerstone, the word of God is the standard. And you'll say, well, that's everywhere. Every church. Well, 
it's a little bit different because I'm going to every single Sunday open up this word of God and it can be on the screen for you. It can be on your electronic devices for you. It can be on your regular uh, Bible for you, your sword. It can be wherever you want it to be. But we're going to we're going to get into this word because I believe that the word of God is who, what God said. The word of God is powerful. That's what he said. It's powerful. He said the word of God is alive. That's what he said. In, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's sharpened in the two of your sword, dividing it even to the soul, the spirit, the joints of the marrow, and the son of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is everything. Because if we're talking about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job, what he does, is show those things to us that Jesus has already told us. He guides us. He leads us into all truth. He's the spirit of truth. So he is the spirit of Christ. So that means the word of God is everything. Now, that's very important to me. And I know that sometimes it is not as probably uh, kosher these days and times to talk too much about the word rather than talk about what I feel and experiences. I'm interested in the word of God. So that's what you're going to get. <laughs> the word of God. The word of God is a standard. And I say that because I'm leading into what I wanted to tell you today. That's one statement. The word of God is a standard. The next statement is that, let's look in James chapter 1. Let's go there. The second statement I want to make to you is that it's not just hearing the word of God that's important. It's not just hearing the word of God that's important. It's not just reading the word of God that's important. It's not just studying the word of God that's important. Actually, the most important thing is doing the word of God. So when I say the word of God is a standard, the cornerstone, it's not just, oh, well, uh, we read through the Bible, cornerstone, every year. Well, so what? Really? If you don't do what you read, you have done nothing but read the Bible. That's all you've done. I can study and study and study and study and be the Pharisee of the Pharisees and still not be have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So not only is the word of God a standard of cornerstone, but also we take it a little bit further, is that doing the word of God. So I'm not interested in how much I have read. I'm not interested in how much you have read. Am I interested in you reading? Absolutely. Just like I'm interested in you uh, reading your uh, driver's manual if you're going to uh, get your driver's license, please do not, uh, not read and, and, and learn the laws of the road and how to drive because I don't want to meet you on the highway. Right? Because you can know how to steer a car, automobile, but if you don't know the rules and regulations, you might turn right in front of me. You're turning left. I'm keeping straight. And you think that, 
hey, I got here just a fraction of a second before you, so you wait on me. No, that's not the, that's not the, look, the, the, the law. That's not the, those aren't the rules. So that's, we have to know the rules in order to obey the rules. So that second statement is that we are, we believe in being doers of the word of God. So we'll talk about a lot of times in my teaching, most of my teachings deal with character. That's what it deals with, character. It deals with the fruit of the spirit, in other words. And if you look back on most of my teachings, that's what it is, is how do you really live a godly life? I know we talk about it, but how do you live it? How do you be a Christian? You know, you can wear a shirt that has Christian on the, on the back of it, but, but if you're not living it, it doesn't help us. It doesn't help anyone else either. James chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Now, this is what I want right here. The, the part B of that verse. In humility, why did he put that there? In humility receive. Not in proudness, not in arrogance, but in humility receive. The word. I believe that the word was on screen, whether we're reading it, whether we're looking on our electronic devices. I believe we must receive it with humility. I believe that we have to, we have to, to know this word is holy. They call it the Holy Bible. You know? it, 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 because it's God's word. God's word is holy. It's holy. And, and I, I, want to, I want to, it has weight to it too. And I want to, I want to give it the weight that's due, it, it's due. And so when it says here, with humility receive the implanted word, or some versions might say the engrafted word, it, it means that, that this word was really not yours. You, 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 this word, you didn't just come up with this word. This word was engrafted in you, it was implanted in you. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it says that it's going to come a time when um, I'm going to put my words in your heart and in your mind. When you're born again, God implants things in us, and, 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 and I'm telling you, this word is a planet in our hearts. God wants us to purify our hearts, and we've talked about that before, and when we talked about the soil, soul of the word, it all depends upon what hearts you're sowing it in, what soil you're sowing it in. If you're sowing it uh, on this carpet, uh, you can, you know, we demonstrated that, there's nothing going to happen to it. The seed will still be here 50 years from now. It'll be here. So God's saying that it has to be in, in, in the right type of soil. So we're trying to get our heart purified. So when, he, when this word gets in this uh, purified heart, it's able to save our souls. He who, wise, he who is wise saves souls. You know that? But saving the soul is not necessarily salvation. It is, it's not. When it's talking about in Proverbs, you know, the... Uh, he who I save souls, I'm going to talk about souls. We're talking about now living a life, our, our mind, our will, our emotions, that, that in a part of us, it needs to be renewed. It needs to be uh, 
conformed to the word of God by being transformed by the word of God and not being conformed to the world. So this implanted word, which is of the Savior's soul, he said that you receive this with humility. He said, but prove, but, 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 when it says but, it means that, yeah, you can receive it, but if you don't do this other, you can forget it. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers. Because you delude yourselves or you deceive yourselves. You, you, you kind of, you think incorrectly, you think falsely, you, your thinking is not right, he's saying here. So therefore, I want you to not fool yourself by being merely a hero. So going to church is great. Listening to it on TV is great. Listening to it on a DVD is great. But if you don't do it, he's saying you're deceiving yourself. So God wants us to not only hear, but he wants us to do. He says that if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks into, looks at his natural face in a mirror. And once he, he's looked at it, he goes away and immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hero, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed. He'll be blessed in what he does. And we do want to be blessed, don't we? We want to be blessed in what we do. Well, he's saying that, you know, you can look at yourself and then forget what you looked at because you're just taking a glance. He said, but if you intently look at this word of God, just a casual thing, just a, uh, uh, like somebody said, well, I, I, you know, they had a program on this. Give God a minute. So it's a minute. It's one of the minute devotionals. Six seconds. And it'll come on, and it's a six-second devotion every day. That's great, isn't it? Isn't that great? Six-second devotional. But let me tell you something. A six-second devo- devotional is not going to change you into the image of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to get in this word and be intent on this word, and you're going to have to look at it, and you're going to have to look at it. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to meditate on it that we talked about in a, in a previous message. We're going to have to meditate on this word. We're going to have to get a picture of what he's saying here. Like you should be getting now, said, oh, I can't just read this thing. I have to get in this thing. I have to make this thing change me. When I look at this word of God, I want to say, hmm, like that's what James was saying this morning uh, in in the communion. Uh, We don't just want to receive communion. We want to think about his death, his his resurrection, his life. Why did he die? And then what effect is it going to have on me? So when I'm when I'm reading these things, I said, oh, my goodness gracious. Am I really in humility receiving this word? Is this word really doing anything in me? Am I really meditating on this word? Am I, 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 am I really just making a checklist off that I did my devotions today? Uh, I don't want to just do a devotional. I want a devotional to do me. Really. <laughs> That's what I want. I want it to do me. Now, the word of God. It'll change us. Let's go to another verse in Matthew, chapter 7, verse 13. Let's go there. And in, in this one, it's really interesting. Um, it's talking about a couple of different things here. Let's start off in verse 13. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, 
For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. The gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, that's true. Is that correct? That's the word of God. That's true. That's true. It takes, it's, it's not many people in Christianity who wants to go through this narrow gate of discipleship where you become like Jesus Christ, where you're really intent on being all that God has, has, has for you. He has birthed you and he's rebirthed you for a purpose. He has a purpose for your life. He really does. You are destined for greatness. When, you, when you're born, born you are, you're destined for greatness. And the only way you're going to get there is by being born again. Now, but you still have to be discipled once you're born again. You just can't be, have a birth and then you don't train up a child in the way it should go. So there are few who, who go that way. I can ask you, and it will be in any church in the United States, I can ask how many people have been discipled? And first of all, I say, well, what's disciple? What do you mean, disciple? There's very few people that being discipled. I can ask another question. How many people are discipling somebody at this particular time? You're discipling somebody. You're taking them through the things of the kingdom. You're taking them systematically through that. And again, it would be a verse, few hands that come up. All over the United States. That's the way it is. The, the way is narrow. And it says that beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Inward, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes cannot be gathered. It goes on to tell you that, that you know, you're going you're gonna to be what you are. Now, what it's saying here is that don't let somebody tell you that you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about no narrow gate. You know, do what everybody else is doing. Because really, when you think about it, in, in the United States at least, it's like everybody's a Christian just about, if, if, you, if you listen to them. I mean, most of the people are Christians. But we know that's not true. You know, it's not true. Then it goes on to tell us down here in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, you mean there's going to be somebody who say, Lord, Lord, they're going to call him Lord. I mean, really? Going to acknowledge that he's Lord and they're not going to enter the kingdom? Well, who's going to enter? But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He could have said, he who reads the word of God. He could have said that, couldn't he? He didn't say that. He said, he who does. So that's why doing is so important at Cornerstone. Doing the word of God. It's a minimal. <laughs> and, and, verse 23. And then, well, now let's go on down. Uh, in verse 22, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles 
And then I'll, I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity or, or lawlessness. Practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Okay? Here's a picture. He's, he's giving us a word picture here. A wise man build his house on a rock. If he knows he's in a, 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 an environment where there are a lot of storms, a lot of rains, a lot of winds, he's going to build his house on a solid foundation. That's the person it says that is hearing the word and also doing what? Doing it, acting on it. Because the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Then it says in verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them or does not do them, he'll be like a foolish man. He's in that same environment, but he builds his house on the sand. Now the rain still came, the floods came, and the winds blew, and it slammed against the house, and the house fail and great was his fall. So what kind of house do we want to build? Do we want to build on the sand in that type of environment or do we want to build on the rock? We want to build on the rock. What a, what a rock actually is hearing the word of God and doing it. So in this environment that we're in now, do we want to be just hearers of the word of God only or we want to be hearers and doers? Hearers and doers. Well, the whole message that I taught, the series that I taught, when, it, when you culminate the message, we're talking about not just hearing another series, but we're talking about how do we put this series to work? How do we actually do this thing? How do we walk in unity? How do we walk in love? That's what we're talking about. We've heard the message on, on love. We've heard the message on togetherness and unity. We've heard the message on that. But now, are we going to do something? Is anything going to change at all? Let's go to another verse. Last verse I think I want to cover. That's the same thing in Matthew. We don't have to go anywhere uh, for it if you have your Bible. We're going, we start in verse 13. We're going to go to verse 12. This verse is a life changer. This verse is the same verse that I have given you before, but in different words. This verse is saying the same thing that Galatians said when it says, uh, all the commandments can be summed up in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. This verse is the same verse that will be found in John uh, that, that tells, I think it's John's maybe 13, 34, that tells us that a new commandment I give you, but really not new, love your neighbor as, come on, I have loved you. It was last week. This verse is the same thing. Let's read it. In everything, in everything, now it says therefore because of what's been said before. We're going to take that out. We'll just ignore that even though it's there. When I say we're going to know it, it's there if you want to go back when you get home and go through verses 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and all the things he was saying. That's why it's there, but we're going to apply it to the meaning of it, the application to it. In everything, treat people. The same way you want them to treat you. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Now, 
how do I know that that's saying, who said that's the same thing? People call this a golden rule. Who said this the same thing as what Jesus said? Because Jesus said the same thing at the end of it. For this is, come on, the law and the prophets. That means the law of Moses, the prophets, what the prophets spoke in the Old Testament, everything can be summed up in the law and the prophets with this particular statement. Treat people the same way that you want them to treat you. Now, I'm going to change it just a little bit. And you say, well, who gave you the right to change it? Don't you know the word of God? You said the word of God. You, you believe in the word of God. And the word of God says if you change anything from this, you'll be cursed. <laughs> if you add anything to it, if you subtract anything from it, well, you should have told Jesus that because the, the word of God says if you look at a woman to, uh, 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 to lust after her, you have committed adultery anyway, right? Even though that was really not the law, was it? But that was the meaning in God's heart for it, right? Okay. So am I, am I okay now? So I'll tell you this. Okay. Now here it is. If I put it this way, in everything, treat people the same way you want Jesus to treat you. Isn't that what he said when he says, a new commandment I give you? But it's not new. It's the same commandment. You know, the commandment was to, to love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, to love your neighbor as I have loved you. I love one another as I love you. So he was trying to help us to see this picture of what we want. Because, see, if, if, if we leave it like that and don't understand what he's trying to get over to us, what we'll think is that, well, I don't want them to treat me that way if I did what they did. That, that's how we take things. I would, if, 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 if I didn't speak to somebody, I would want them to ignore me too. Right? That's how we want to do it. But see, God doesn't say that. But if, if we say treat them the way you want them to treat you, I so I want them to treat me that way. If I'm stupid enough to, to pass by somebody face to face, I see them. I mean, I see you, Rebecca. I see you, and I say, you know, <laughs> I said, and then next time you do me like that. And somebody said, well, Jesus said, well, why did you do that? Uh, you said, well, because he did it to me. I, and you said, well, don't you, won't you treat him the way you want him to treat him? I want him to treat me that way. If, if I do that, then he can do it to me. You know, that's fine to me. It's fine to me. If I don't see him again until we're in heaven, it's all right with me. <laughs> Have you ever said that before? I know you're not. You know, your heart is pure. You know, you haven't said it before. <laughs> Some people say, God, if I don't see him again until we get to heaven, it's all right. You know, that's, that's a bad attitude. So, but if I say, I want to treat Rebecca the same way I want Jesus to treat me. Then when I look see him, I say, hi, how you doing? You know? 
because I don't care what she has done. I want Jesus to treat me in a, in, 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 a, in a compassionate, merciful way, even though. Because I know I fall short. I know that sometimes I make mistakes or sin, and I don't know I'm sinning until the Holy Spirit lets me know. That's why in the Old Testament they had the high priest going into the Holy of Holies once a year to offer sins for himself and for the sins of the people. These are sins that, that of ignorance. They, they didn't know they were making them. The Holy Spirit lets us know. But I said, God, please deal with me with compassion. Matter of fact, part of the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation. Why don't you pray, lead me into temptation? No, we don't want to be led into temptation, do we? No. Well, why don't we treat people the same way we want Christ to treat us? Now, if we did that, then the series, together, loving, for the gospel's sake, now you have some shoe leather to it. Because, just think about it now. Suppose you were the uh, pastor of the church. Say you're the, you're the pastor of the church. You're the lead elder of the church. And you needed somebody to help you do something. Would you want them to help you? You said, absolutely. Or you might say, depend on who it was. You know? Okay, well, let me, ask you, let, let me ask you another way. If you're the lead elder or the pastor of the church, would you want Jesus Christ to help you? And everybody say, yes, yes, yes. Suppose you don't deserve it. You still say, I want him to help me. Wouldn't you? I want him to help me. Please have mercy on me, Lord. That's what we want. That's, that's what God wants us to culminate with, is that this scripture, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, needs to become our life walk. Our life walk. Let me give you some now. I've talked about two statements, right? What was the first statement I made? Cornerstone, the word of God is a standard. Second statement. Okay, we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers of Cornerstone. That's what I mean. Then we went over some scriptures. Went over uh, James chapter 1, verse 21. We went over uh, Matthew 7, 13 on down. Then we went over over Matthew 7, uh, 12. Now, let's, let's give an illustration. Um, Brother Sam, would you come up? Um, Sam is pimping, so I don't know what y'all know. <laughs> Let me help you up, brother. Ah, yeah. I thought he was, you know, if you're if white, you don't know the word pimp enough. But <laughs> I just get, um, uh, you know, pimping is like when you when you when you when you're dapping, you know, you walk like this. <laughs> yeah. I said, "What's wrong with your leg? What you mean nothing wrong? With my, nothing wrong with my leg, man. I'm walking straight, man. 
You know? <laughs> I thought he was doing that yesterday, and it, it, uh, we had an elders meeting—not elders meeting, but a roundtable meeting. We had that, and uh, he was about to say, "Man, were you? Pimp? I thought you were pimping last yesterday." He said, "No, man, my legs hurt, man. <laughs> my legs hurt." I said, "Okay, brother. Okay." Uh, I want to ask, 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 ask you a question. Uh, I'm gonna sit one over from you, just in case you dive over this way. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to ask, ask Sam a question because this is an illustration of things. Uh, now, we're talking about togetherness, right? Unity. We're talking about achieving the purposes of which God sets out for us, okay? And one of the things that, that has to happen, somebody has to give a vision, somebody has to give directions, somebody has to give a marching order, somebody has to, has to give some direction, is that correct? Okay, whether it's on your job, whether it's in the home, whether it's, somebody has to do that. Okay, now, once it's given, it's up to the, the family, if it's, a, if it's a, um, a family, you know, husband, wife, children. If it's a job, then it's up to the employees to do what the employer wants to achieve or whatever. If it's a, a school system or whatever, or if it's a church, it's whatever the elders say, then that's what we're going. Okay, now, I've made, I make statements sometimes. I said, look, Chad Roberts uh, is, is leaving, going to... to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, with his family. And uh, let me back up just a little bit. We had Chad and Jennifer over and Sam and Stella uh, over to our house and John and Debbie because we have once a quarter, something like that, we have an elders and wives fun time. And it's no business time, it's just fun time. And so what happened was that after the fun time and everything, they were getting ready to go, what happened was that uh, Chad said something. I said, how things going, man? And he, what he said was, I'm discouraged. We are discouraged. Why are you discouraged, Chad? Because people won't, uh, they act like they don't care about a children's ministry, man. We, we labor in this thing for, for all the time, and they, they act like they don't care. How often do you see Jennifer Roberts in this service? Yeah, hardly ever. Hardly ever. She might stand in the back a little while, then she goes, is she here now? Yeah. I mean, she's here, but she's not in here. Is she? Yeah, she's in the back. Yeah, in the back. And she said she wasn't working uh, today, but, you know, on duty day, but, she, you know, I think she went back to take your place for a while. Okay. Uh, but she's back there laboring with the children. And so the first thing that, that, that you, you said, Sam, I didn't even ask him. What did you say? Well, I volunteered to help. And, uh, Okay. Why did you do that? Well, I used to run the children's church ministry, and I know how hard it is to get somebody help. I thank God for Jack's wife, Jenny. When I was running, she oversee it, so I would help her get people. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard getting volunteers sometimes. So it's not that I needed something else to do. Matter of fact, I'm in there now. If y'all want to take my place, you're welcome to it. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a couple other things, too. But... But I feel that it's a need. The children need to be served. And this is our vision. This is my home. I'm serving you. And I found a direct correlation to how I function in the church to what's happening out there in the world. Your jobs and stuff like, like that. I found there's a direct correlation. Sometimes you don't see it, you don't know it. And uh, as I serve God, seek first the kingdom of God as I serve you, then I serve the people here 
what I learn is things that help, help me out there. And as I plant this seed, it affects here. A lot of people don't realize how you treat your pastor and the people here has a direct correlation to what's happening to you outside. You may be believing God for finances, and you have a struggle in getting finances. And God is trying to deal with you here, trying to get you to serve, trying to get you to do something or treat somebody right. And yet, if you're not spiritual, you won't make the connection. And I know, and I, I bore witness to this, and if I say nothing else, I, I want to serve because this is part of my church. This is me. I want to serve this pastor. I want to serve him and see him succeed. And I, and I had this way before I became an elder. Always had this. And I want to be a person of honor, a person that he can call at any time, within reason, (laughs) (laughs) and serve. Let's go a little further. Um, Then, see, Chad had oversight over the children's ministry, but he also had oversight over the sound ministry. Uh, He had also oversight over the uh, praise and worship. And the next thing you say, well, hey, uh, i tell you what they do. I will take over the sound. I'll oversee that. Um, I said, well, and you gave it up one time because he used to do that. Um, he's teaching on a Wednesday night. He's teaching on a Saturday morning, twice uh, on Saturday mornings in a month. He's also now um, uh, teaching in, in children's church. He's now overseeing the sound. And uh, we had a new person come in, uh, Robert Phelps, and uh, Chad said, hey, we got somebody who can do sound. He said, do sound. Uh, so, well, you think he might want to stick around and do it? And he said, I'll check with him. And Robert has been here doing that ever since and doing a fantastic job. Yes. Let's give God yes. a hand for Robert. Yes. Yes. And, and Rob didn't know anything about, you know, really the vision, where we're going about this or that. All he knew is that uh, Chad was going, he needed somebody to serve, we need somebody to serve, he can serve God by doing that, he's, he's, he's skilled in that, so he'll do it. And then the next thing, he jumped on, on, the, on, the, on, the, uh, on this little electric guitar, Chad said, hey man, this, this dude can play. I said, can he really? You sure he can play, man? He said, he can play. <laughs> Did you see him a couple Sundays ago? Yep. Man, that yep. dude, was, man, he was walking all over the place, man, he can play. Uh-huh. He can play. <laughs> uh, but it's just somebody taking the responsibility, because what instrument did Chad play? He played the electric guitar. Uh-huh. You see? God has everything in place in the house. In the house. On the way to the house. And Rob was on the way, so Rob was here by the time Chad did that. Okay, so, so that's some things that, that is happening. Then I said, well, um, well, we don't have anybody to oversee the children's ministry. Uh, Sam said, well, I, I oversee the children's ministry. Well, how much are you going to do, man? Whatever it takes. Because he knows that he's serving God. Now, he would do that. He was doing that uh, when we had two other pastors. He was doing the same thing. It doesn't matter who's pastoring. It doesn't matter who's the lead. It matters that what are you going to do for God? That's the key thing. What are you going to do for God? And it's not that he doesn't have a job to, to, to do. Uh, he has a job. Uh, you know, nine is a nine to five or something like that. You know? He has a nine to five, but he's, he still does things that he doesn't have to do. Okay? I'll give him a hand. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, Don, come up. We, now, we gave you an illustration uh, of just unity. Because don't you know it takes unity to do this thing? 
Do you know that the worship team, uh, Chad loves it in, in great shape because, see, we already had three leaders anyway. We had, you know, Jack, we had uh, Don and Laura, uh, Dobler leading. And so uh, then we said, okay, hey, what we'll do is we get, get this young fellow from Liberty. We'll get a young fellow in Drew said, I know somebody. And so Corbin said, I'll do it. So Corbin jumped up. He, he's up here, brought a new song. And so, isn't, that, isn't that good? I mean, God's good, right? And then we, we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do uh, some more leaders. We're going to have Rebecca Melton Lee. We're going to have Virgil Lee. And so we have now uh, five worship leaders. Well, we had three, Chad, and we had uh, uh, Jack, and we had Don Laura. So we had three. Then we have five. Okay, so, so did it sound good today? Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. And, and now, now we're going to have a, a Don tell you about a need because the illustration is over. The statement's over. The word is over. Now, application. This is one application. <laughs> tell us the need we have here. Tell us the need we have here. Well, it's a chance to not only tithe your time as we're leading up to, but to tithe a little bit of your money beyond what you do every week. Because um, when we meet on Tuesdays, we try to have everything ready, try to have the music all printed, and we're ready to go, and try to be respectful of everyone's time, start on time, end on time. doesn't always happen, but uh, we try. Um, sometimes we have, might have to change a key to a song and or find something we don't have, which means we have to boot up that computer. Anyone tried booting up that computer? There was one practice. We took 20 minutes, literally, with the singers up here doing whatever they were doing, and I, I think getting a little frustrated, and the band doing whatever they were doing, and I was just simply trying to print out two chord charts. The time involved is just really waiting for it to boot up. I understand that I think Carl defrags it. If, you know, if you're technical, you know what that means. I think every week or every other couple of weeks, um, it still doesn't solve the problem. So is it seven years old? The rumor is it seven years old. Uh, is there more? Well, in human years, that's not so bad. In technology years, that's worse than dog years. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was outdated when it was put in there. So, um, so anyway, we have a plan. Uh, I think you'll be sharing that. Yes. We have a plan um, of how we can fix that problem and get you guys involved, too. And um, I think the other thing that, that I haven't personally struggled with, but we burn um, the messages onto CDs, and sometimes um, you know, Jackie helps with that, and sometimes that burner has some glitches so it's just uh to be to be honoring of everyone's time and to get the resources there for you guys so you can download the you know the podcasts and run to the messages <laughs> if you're a runner right um then we need to we need to just all be part of be part of what we need to do to make things better okay, thank you don you're not the only ones who uh would would go to our website most people who go to our website are really people who are not in our church and they are looking at churches, and, and they, want to, they want to hear a message. But it, it's a sad thing if they go to, to it and, and we're five messages behind, three messages behind, two messages behind, only because we can't, we can't get on that thing and, and, and do it. <laughs> so we have to let Jack in, say, take us somewhere, man, and see if you have time to do it sometime. Well, he's the only one that can do it on the, on the, on the stuff that he has. And I said, hey, can you, can you uh, train somebody? He said, I can't train anybody on this because you don't have nothing up there to do it. I said, okay. So we have, uh, what we have is an is, is is opportunity for you to give towards that. Uh, we, need, we need two computers. We actually need three, but we need two uh, right away. Uh, one is to go there, and Corbin gave us the specs on everything, and it's cost about 2000 to do everything we need to do. Uh, and then we need one in the... In, in the 
uh, systems office and take that one out because that's older than that one. You know, that, and so to try to do all the things that we're asking to be done, it just is not, it's not working. So you can give towards it. Now, what can you give? Whatever you want to give. I told you how much it costs. You can give the whole thing. You can give a dollar. You can give $5. You can give $10. You can give whatever you want to do, whatever God leads you to do. But we want you to give to it. You can put it in the box. And, and I thought about it. So let's, let's take a month to do this thing. We don't need a month to do this thing because we might have other projects later on, like, the, like um, I've had the person come and give me an evaluation on the, on the cost of doing the, the parking lot as a second um, estimation because we had Jesse Castro do, get somebody to do an estimation also uh, because it's getting so we need to look at that. But that's not right now. So we're, we're going to take something small, small something like, like hey, $2,000, let's do that. Uh, $3,000, let's do that. So $3,000 we need. Uh, we're going to do it in two weeks. In two weeks, we're going to order something to go back there. Okay? Because Either we're going to do it or we're not. And I don't believe that, that $3,000 is hard for the Lord. <laughs> I don't believe it's hard for the Lord. So now Chad gave me the information that we needed to do this back in the fourth month, uh, I think it was the 23rd day or 14th day or something like that, 2013. I looked on my, my computer. He gave me, hey, we need to do this. And I, I just left it on my computer. I said, well, and I was talking to him uh, this past week. And I told him, I said, we got specs on it. He said, that's good. Are uh, you going to do it? <laughs> oh, okay, I don't know. Two weeks, we're going to do it, okay? So you can give to it or not. I don't care who, what you do. It's an opportunity, isn't it? Opportunity to work in unity. Uh, come on up, Jason. Is that your son? I've got um, Jonathan Dadia with me this morning. Um, I have been working with children's ministry also as a teacher. Chad and Jennifer set up a wonderful rotation where, you know, the goal and the whole concept of the, the outline is you're on for four weeks, for four Sundays, and then you're off for eight. And so then you're not necessarily out of service for too long. And honestly, when you do children's church, you don't really just work and feel drained at the end. You get fed. The curriculum that we use and the questions that are asked and the interaction you have with the kids, it's not like you're missing service and you're leaving feeling like, man, I really miss church. It's not fair. I really want to be in there. How can I do this for four weeks? No. No, you get fed in there. And the messages are still available. Obviously, you seem to know what's going on uh, in here as well. But I got Jonathan here to answer a few questions just so you guys can see the kind of stuff we cover. Uh, I'll go into more detail in a little bit. But, um, okay. Go ahead and say the memory verse that we're studying, Jonathan. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Awesome. All right, go ahead and give him a hand. All right, let's go to the next slide. Um, the, nice th- the children's ministry is constantly under improvement, and I'm a big techie guy, so I'm thrilled that we finally have a TV in the big room, in the multi-purpose room. So we actually teach off that now. Um, the curriculum that we get doesn't necessarily provide the digital part, but it's really easy to put it in PowerPoint, and then it just goes right on. So this is what the kids get now. The Lord promised that blank would be delivered into whose hand? Joshua's. 
Yeah, and who would, um, what's being delivered to Joshua's hand? Jericho. Jericho, next one. The Lord prom- oh, there's the answers. Go ahead, go to the next one. So this is what the kids will do after we read the scripture. Like today we actually went into Joshua chapter 6, and I read the whole story. Actually, they read it. We, we split it up amongst them. Um, we read the whole story of Joshua and Jericho, and then we throw these questions up and we talk about them. And the questions that are asked are awesome. For example, one question was, so Mr. Jason, um, did the whole wall fall? Because the scripture doesn't really say if the whole wall fell. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? If the whole wall fell and the instructions were to destroy all that is inside Jericho. How many of y'all know if you were in Jericho and that whole wall fell and you saw Israelites coming in, you'd bail. You'd run the opposite way, right? You'd take your family, your animals, whatever you could get, and you'd run out of town while the Israelites were coming in on the other side. So I was like, okay, realistically, here, let's think about what God commanded. And there's actually maps and pictures in the curriculum that we've got that actually show historically a section of the wall fell. Not the whole thing. It was a section. So the Israelites could pour in, and then guess what? Everybody in Jericho was trapped. They were trapped to follow through exactly what God commanded, and that is to destroy everything inside. The only thing they kept was what? Do you remember what they kept? They kept the gold, silver, and copper. That's right, the bronze. The bronze. Yeah, and why did they keep that? To give it, to give to the um, temple. Yeah, it was an offering to the Lord. So they weren't to keep it for themselves. It was an offering unto the Lord. All right, let's go ahead and go to the next, um, go to the next slide. Here we go. The Israelites had victory over? Jericho. Yep, God accomplished his plan and fulfilled his? Promises. And does God always fulfill his promises? Always. Always. Who else did he make a promise to before the Israelites came in? Um, I, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, uh, right and before Moses. that. Who was the one we studied about last week? Moses? No. no, Rahab. Rahab, yep. Did God fulfill his promise to Rahab? Did God fulfill his promise to Rahab? Yes. How so? What did he do? What was his promise to Rahab? Rahab's family line went to Jesus. Yeah, they were saved, weren't they? And so the, what they learned about was Rahab, even though she may have been a harlot and living in sin, still feared God, knew that God was with the Israelites, knew that they were going to lose and Jericho was going to be wiped out, and she feared God, and she stepped up to the plate and said, I'm going to help these guys. And so she did. She helped the Israelites. And so with helping those spies, by hiding those spies, God saved her. Now, was it just her that, she, that he saved? No, his, um, their family. Yeah, like just brothers and sisters? or um, Their brothers, sisters, and mo- father. Mother and father. father. Yep, and it was anybody in her house. The Israelites don't know who's all in her family, so the instructions were that Joshua gave them, when you go in, anybody in that house is to be saved. You save them first, bring them out outside the camp of Israel, and then the rest of us will go in. And so that's how they knew. And well, the question that was asked was, well, what about the other people in Rahab's family? Aren't they sinners? Like, do they believe in God too? And I was like, you know what? God's promise was already made. Because of Rahab's obedience and her fear of the Lord, it didn't matter what the rest of her family was doing because God was saving them anyway. And then the rest is going to tell the story. I mean, how many of you all know if you get saved like that, even if you are in sin, you're going to be like, okay, this guy is the real deal. <laughs> so God's going to turn that into a glory and for good. And it's just, it's awesome to teach in there. Um, I'm a teacher at heart anyway, but you don't have to be. You don't have to have this as a profession. You don't have to be even, you don't even have to have any kids. Just have a love for the Lord. 
just love the Lord and know he's real and he's in your life and what he's done for you and know that he wants to use you, pass it on to them. They eat it up. They love it. And it doesn't matter how you present it. When you teach scripture, so it's not just a story, and so it's not just a bedtime novel or a poem, which those are beautiful, they're pretty, they're great. This is the real deal. They're getting meat. And we hear in scripture, you know, milk and meat, and, you know, milk is really easy to understand. You hear the liberty students hear it all the time. I, I want some real study. I want some doctrine. These guys are getting meat. They are getting real historical evidence and proof. And the curriculum that we have from Answers in Genesis lays it all out. Um, the amount of study that you do really comes from what you feel like you can't answer. Sometimes they ask me questions, and I'm like, you know, man, I don't know that. But we're going to talk about that next week. And then I'll go home and dig a little deeper and come back. And that's okay. That's what a teacher does. That's what parents do. We don't all know the answers all the time. It is okay. Um, but the way things are laid out, you literally have about an hour with them. And you don't ever get through it all. Never. They ask questions, and they love it. So I guess that what I'm going to present to you today uh, is an opportunity um, we have teachers in place, we do, and they are faithful teachers. They love what they're doing. As a matter of fact, everybody that's helped back there has said, I love this, I'm learning from it, I'm getting fed, I really don't want to stop. But there's so many things to be done in the church and so many places to help. Um, to keep this rotation going, we really need some help. Uh, we need The best scenario that we have is really an adult. You know, Even if one, whether it's you're married or not, doesn't matter. If you're a husband and wife team, that's great. But you always get an assistant, and it's usually a teenager, whether it be the Roberts or the Castros or, you know, we got plenty of Isaac helps, Isaac Howard helps. There's always a teenager teamed up with you to help with bathrooms or whatever, but the rotations are needed for some help. Um, right now it's coming down to just Sam and I that are the main teachers for these older guys, um, and we need about one or two more teams for that group. We really do to keep the rotation consistent. And then for the younger group, which is right below us, I teach third through fifth grade. Um, the kindergarten through second grade is a little shorthanded as well. And so I'm just throwing it out there to you guys. Um, you might be sitting there thinking, I'm not going to miss church for four weeks. Forget that. I don't want to do that. I don't know what I'm doing. You're missing out. You know, sitting here is great. That's fine. But it's exactly what Sam said. The more that you can do and serve and plant seeds, it affects the rest of your week. When I'm teaching back there and know I've changed a kid's life, man, for, for whatever reason, I'm way more motivated to do my job. You know, I get up in the morning. I'm perky, happy. I work a little bit harder. But when I'm lazy in any part throughout my week, whether it be at church or lazy with my job, that carries over. And I say lazy because that's my personal. I'm, I'm not coming down on you guys. That's me personally. I know when I'm lazy. I know when I make a choice to not do something well. Um, and it comes down to that. It affects the rest of my week. And so if you're sitting there thinking, you know what, we really can pitch in. We can really do this. We can give this a trial. We can do this thing. If, whether it's that, whether it's ushers, whether it's you know, helping with the nursery, whatever the case is, if you have that urge or you're feeling like God's telling you, you know, now's the time. You've been, you've been here watching. You've been here participating. It's time to put things into action. Let's, let's serve and let's love on these kids or let's, let's do what we need to do. Then go for it. I know there's no reason to hold back. He's going to bless you. Thank you. Let's give him a hand. Please. That's the application number two. Number one, financially, you can get involved. You can give anything you want to. But uh, we would need to also help our children because we're not really um, thinking and, and, and it's a, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, or the way Jesus Christ treats you. If you were leading back there, uh, you wouldn't want to stay back there the whole time and never get a break because somebody didn't want to serve even though they are capable of serving. So we need five teams. Uh, Jennifer gave me the list. 
We need five teams of people. It can be five individuals, and we have already have teams who, 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 will, be a, who will make a team for you. Uh, it doesn't matter about your uh, knowledge of everything because every, it's, it's, everything is on print that you can read and study. Um, all I'm asking is not that you stay back there for the rest of your life, but you just volunteer because God sends people in all the time, and we need to make sure that we're helping out. That's all we need. Please don't hold them hostage back there with two rotations with Sam and Jason rotating. That means that they're off four weeks on, and they're doing it for six months out of the year. That's half of a year they're back there, and while everybody else is sitting and enjoying themselves or whatever, we don't want to do that. We want to be able to help out. I told them, I said, I'll help out back there, uh, but then who's going to teach? (laughs) <laughs> so, so I can get somebody to teach four weeks and I'll be back there four weeks and then we rotate like that well if, if it gets to that we're in trouble we're in trouble I'm telling you so let's stand you have the two statements you have the, the word of God you have the illustration and now the application let's put it to work uh, we're not asking you to uh, sign anything today we're not asking you to give anything today uh, but in two weeks, we'll have a computer, and in two weeks, I want to have some more people back there. And how are we going to get the people? Well, we'll just call you and say, hey, would you want to do this? All you have to do is, is, is if you program my phone number in, you'll see it's me. Ignore it. <laughs> then i see you at church. If <laughs> uh, the program Sam's in there and Jennifer's and everybody else is in there too, uh, because all we're going to do is say, hey, could you help out four weeks just four weeks, just four weeks out of the year. Uh, what can you do? That's all we're asking you to do, do whatever you can, okay? Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434 847 4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.